what is the best way to make your money work for you? It's seven figures, all the information that you need to dominate your finances. I am Sandy Waters. Thanks for being here. Each week, we tap into financially savvy people and learn from them. Take away little nuggets of financial knowledge that we can apply to our own lives and create that well-paved path to financial independence. Before we get into it, I want to take a quick sec to say thank you to our sponsors, Family First Credit Union, local financial products and services designed with you in mind to help you and your family spend and save smarter. So you've heard the phrase, make your money work for you, right? What does that really mean? When you get to a point where you feel like you're in a good spot, you're spending what you can afford, which means spend less than what you earn, you're paying your bills on time, you have that emergency fund as a fallback, now we can talk about building wealth, making the money you have grow, making it work for you. And there's a couple ways you can do that. We cash in with our expert today, Paula Pant, who has been on the podcast before, founder of AffordAnything.com. She has her own podcast called Afford Anything. Paula, a writer, speaker, specializing in money, business, and real estate investing. You, Paula, are the perfect go-to person about building wealth. So thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I wanted to focus on investing our money, stock market versus real estate, because you have extensive knowledge in both areas. Um, for you personally, though, what what came first? Was it your interest in real estate or the market? Uh, well, I mean, saving first. Okay. Uh, and then my interest in the stock market really came first, because when I started reading about investing, um, that tends to be in, in most of the literature, at least the... Uh, general personal finance literature, that's that's the thing that's talked about. It's the thing that's emphasized. And so um, when I began learning about personal finance, um, the stock market and index funds were the and mutual funds were the first things that I read and learned about. I believe this is something that you and I have in common, and I'm sure there's others who would say the same. We heard the stories when we were growing up over and over from our parents. I know my dad would always talk about moving to this country to, quote, make it coming here with very little and uh, his yeah, nose. Yeah, my dad has a similar story. Yeah. <laughs> I came here with two suitcases. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then his nose was always in a book learning about investing, kind of like your dad was too. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, I only feel comfortable with investing in the market because that's what I heard dad always talking about, counting on those safe investments like the index funds to supplement my retirement. The world of real estate investing, though, is unfamiliar territory for me, for a lot of us. But a lot of people make a lot of money in real estate. So for the beginner beginner, what advice would you give? Where would you start? Or what's the pros and cons of each? Well, so with real estate investing, uh, so all right, in any asset will gain value in two ways. Okay. There is the capital appreciation on the asset. And then there is the income stream or the dividend that that asset pays off. So when you think about a stock or an index fund, that stock, historically speaking, will primarily earn its value from capital appreciation. And the income stream or the dividend that it pays is you know, maybe 2% or 3%, but it's a small fraction of the overall return. So if you've got an index fund, hypothetically, that returns 8% in total, it may be that 5 or 6% of that growth comes from appreciation and the remainder is the dividend. With rental properties, 
it's the other way around. With a rental property, your primary form of return is going to come from the income stream, from the, the cash flow or more specifically the cap rate that it produces. And then capital appreciation, I tell people, assume that it'll keep pace with inflation, but no more. So in other words, the way that those two assets derive returns are like they're, they're mirrors of each other. They're inverse. To build wealth, though, should we try to dabble in both? Oh, it's absolutely okay to pick or choose one or the other. I mean, I certainly don't think that you need real estate investing uh, in your portfolio. You can have a perfectly wonderful, happy, healthy uh, life without ever going into the world of real estate investing. So I absolutely would never want somebody to go into it because they felt as any type of pressure um, in fact, I think that if you feel like you have to and you kind of drag your feet slowly into it, you're probably not going to do very well. Mm. You'll only do well in it if you're excited about being in it. What got you excited? Uh, well, so for me, when we went, uh, my the then boyfriend, now husband, when we decided to buy our first home, we wanted our own out-of-pocket housing costs to be as close to zero as possible. Mm. And so instead of buying a single-family home, like most people do, we decided instead to buy a triplex. We moved into one of the units with roommates and rented out the other two. And as a result of doing that, our out-of-pocket housing expenses were not literally zero. They were nothing. And so that was our first property. And then once we bought that first property, that was what uh, sparked the interest in buying more. So then mm. after we bought that first one, then we went out. And we started buying uh, single-family homes at, to use as rental properties. How old were you at the time? I was 27. I feel like I hear more and more stories of the younger generation doing that, too, or thinking that way. I was, that was not even in my wheelhouse when I was in my 20s. For us, it was a, it was a deep commitment to trying to keep our housing costs down to yeah. zero okay. or down to as close to zero as possible. That was really where the thought process was coming from. Now, are you or your husband a handy person? Because doesn't it make it more lucrative if you know how to fix those problems that, that come up? Or uh, So one very important thing about for anybody who is considering real estate investing yeah. is to always run the analysis as though you are outsourcing everything. The property management, the contractor work, run an, because in order for math to truly be math, it must be identity agnostic. If you are valuing your own time at zero and you're valuing somebody else's time at greater than zero, that's BS accounting. Um, uh, so okay. you need to run a spreadsheet in such a way that that spreadsheet is identity agnostic and the returns do not depend on the name of the person performing the task. Okay. So value your time too as much as you would if you yeah. hired it out. Essentially, embrace a little bit of split personality so okay. that there is a difference between you, the owner, mm -hmm. versus you, the worker. You can choose to be the worker in it if you want to, but you can also quit or get sick or move away and fire yourself and replace yourself, and the numbers stay the same. Ah, Your returns okay. should never depend on whether Bob or Lisa or Jimmy is performing the task. The returns should be the same no matter what. That's, that's what running a business is. Okay. 
Now, what if the the market that you're in, because for us in the Rochester market, probably not as lucrative maybe as some other major markets. Would you even suggest entertaining the idea of going out to another city or is that hard to monitor what happens with your rental property if you do so? I personally only would uh, want, from this point forward, would only want to own rental properties in other cities. Oh, really? I okay. specifically do not want to own in my own city. So I live in Las Vegas. Um, and Las Vegas has great rentals. It's a, it's a fantastic market for it. But the reason that I'm intentionally not buying any rentals here is because when you own in your own city, it's very easy to pretend that it's a hobby and to go by and try to do some of that work yourself. Ah. If the batteries are out within the smoke detector, you know, if the batteries are out, it's very easy to just drive to the house, replace it yourself, and call it a day. But if that happens in a property that is in a different city, and you have to go pay somebody, you have to hire a contractor to go there, and he sends you a bill for $75 just to replace those batteries, well, you better believe that you're going to open up that checklist that you have, your move-in, move-out, or six-month checklist, and you're going to put a little box on there, a little line item that says, all right, at every tenant move-in and move-out, we will rigorously replace the batteries. That's going to be a new item on the checklist, mm-hmm. right? So that is how you form a business, uh, is by developing systems, developing processes, and you are much more likely to do a good job of that when you are forced to do a good job of that. Ah, okay. Doesn't that eat into the cost, though, of how much you can make if you do always hire out? No, not if you are running the numbers in a way that is identity agnostic. Remember, all the numbers need to make sense regardless of the identity of the person performing the task. Okay. Can you just dabble in it and and still get a good return on investment? Or in order to make a lot of money, you have to have a lot of properties? Uh, Well, so your return, think of it similar to an index fund, right? Okay. If your return on a property, let's say a property has a cap rate of 6% plus it appreciates at the same rate of inflation, which is 3%, then your total return on that property is 9%. So just like an index fund, uh, if you're making 9%, you're making 9%. Now, is that a lot of money or a little money? Well, it depends on how much money you've got invested. But 9% is 9%. That's your return. Mm. One piece of advice for somebody who is uh, thinking about real estate but not sure, or maybe a warning, hey, before you get into this. Uh, so learn how to – there's a formula called the cap rate on a property. It's short for capitalization rate. Learn how to calculate that and run that on every property that you purchase. And again, I'll emphasize again, run the numbers in a way that is identity agnostic. That is probably the single most important piece of advice that I can give because that is where almost every beginner gets it wrong. Mm, okay. And then one piece of advice for the person who wants to, you know, dip their toe into the stock market. Uh, if you want to go into the stock market, I would, I would stick with index funds. Those are uh, the, the types of vehicles that I prefer because they are low fee. They are passively managed. They've got low expense ratios. Um, so I would stick with broad market index funds. Don't get uh, wowed by some of these success stories of these uh, individual stocks, right? Because with every success story, there's a million failures. Exactly, exactly. Now, um, you know, another reason why I'm very grateful to have you on, not only your extensive knowledge in all of this, but as we know, the financial industry, 
whether it's in the market or in real estate, is still more men versus women. You know, there's more men involved in this than women. Do you feel like it's holding you back in any way or advice to women to build up their um, confidence with finances? Well, in terms of dealing with contractors, in terms of that aspect of real estate investing, um, that can be frustrating because a lot of uh, a lot of contractors can talk to you differently or treat mm. you differently as a woman. Um, other than that, I think it's great. I mean, so women, statistically speaking, live longer and tend to also take more breaks from the workforce, often for, for the purpose of caregiving for other family members. So I think as a woman, it's extra important to be in charge of your finances because um, statistically speaking, you're likely to earn less, uh, take more years out, and live longer. So it's very important to uh, to not be overwhelmed and intimidated by finances. It really is simple. And there's so many resources like your website, affordanything.com, your podcast, Afford Anything. Paula, thank you so much. Thank you. I've enjoyed being on. She's great. Super smart about real estate investing and building wealth in general. So we appreciate Paula Pant coming on the podcast. And we appreciate you for taking time out of your busy day to listen to the Seven Figures podcast, spreading the word about the podcast. You can hear it on Google Play, the free radio.com app. And if you're on iTunes right now, just scroll down a little bit and give us a, a rating and a review. Have a great weekend. Dominate your finances. And we'll talk to you next week.